0: And our prayer really for this series is that you would encounter the Holy Spirit in a fresh and new way. And we know that there's really three types of people. We'll start filling out some, some notes right here, and I, we're going to get started. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, maybe some of you, when you heard that we were talking about the Holy Spirit, um, maybe some of you had a certain emotional response, and then there's some of you that maybe had a different emotional response. And so I want to share with you real quick before we kind of go anywhere kind of with the three main emotional responses that happen whenever somebody hears that we're talking about the Holy Spirit. So here's the first one. The first one is crazy. Crazy. We 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 have people when they hear about the Holy Spirit any type of Holy Spirit, they get crazy. They they start they start busting out their their slain cloths and uh, they get really excited because they think we're going to be you know doing worship for three hours and they just they just get all really super pumped and excited and 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 really for some of these people, it's really their desire is to see more of the gifts of the Spirit than a desire to actually have the Holy Spirit Himself. They just want the gifts more than the Holy Spirit and. It can get a little crazy. And how many of how many you been to a place where it was a little crazy when it came to the Holy Okay, wow. Mm, all right. Okay. So we have a couple of those. I've I, 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 I I've had some experiences in that as well myself. And so if you have experienced the crazy side of what people say the Holy Spirit is where, you know, you see people barking and all this stuff. And you're like, and, and then people are trying to, like, blame that on the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's is like, I didn't do that. All right. it did not. That's not me. Um, and so... You have that side, but people who have been burned on that side, who've had that happen, they go to the second one, which is cautious, which is cautious. Or if you come out of maybe different denominations that were a little bit more traditional, you're extremely, extremely cautious when it comes to the Holy Spirit because you probably have been burned in some way because you've seen people who've, who've blamed things on the Holy Spirit and you're like, man, I've never read that in the Bible I, I, there's no way that can be the Holy Spirit, and yet you see people that say that they're spirit-filled, and they're just, they're, they could be crazy, Um, and so you're super cautious, or maybe you came out of a denomination that, that talked about how the Holy Spirit is no longer active, Uh, that the Holy Spirit was something for the, for the Bible days and the New Testament, but now it's, you don't need the Holy Spirit because you have Jesus, and so you can just be extremely cautious of that. Um, I'm not going to have hands raised on this one, but I know there's many of you that when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, you kind of tense up a little bit um, because you're just really cautious about that. But there's also the third, third group of people, and you have a different type of emotion. And really, this is honestly for people, and we have a number of you that are here in the church that are just newly saved. And uh, maybe you were unchurched totally. And so you are what we would call confused. You're just like, I don't know what to think about the Holy Spirit. I, I see some things, and I'm not sure about that. And then I see people that are cautious, I'm not sure about that. And I'm just kind of confused altogether. I don't know what to believe. And so the real kind of desire for this series is for us to simply teach what the Bible has to say about the Holy Spirit. Amen. Can we do that? Okay, we're, gonna, we're not going to try to fabricate something, we're not going to try to make you moo or cluck like a chicken or say my my bow tie or Honda tie or any of those kind of ties. We're not going to do any of those kind of things. Uh, We're simply going to come into scripture and we're going to find out what the Holy Spirit does based off of the word of God. Can we do that? And and here's here's my thing. Okay, great. Glad three of y'all are excited about that. Um, So here's the deal. Um, Let me start off with this kind of quote. Um, how many things in our lives are we missing out on because of a preconceived misconception? How many things in our lives are we missing out on because of a a preconceived misconception? Um, Growing up, I lived in Houston, and this was back in the days when they had like real theme parks, like Astroworld. Come on, do I have any Astroworld people up in here? Who shed a tear when Astroworld closed? I sobbed like a baby. I had season passes, it was awesome, and um, I would like to say that I always had a thrill and a desire for Astroworld, but as a younger child, I actually hated Astroworld because I was scared of roller coasters badly. Um, And it all stemmed back, I found out that it all stemmed back when I was maybe six or seven years old. Uh, they had a fair come through our town. And my mom and dad thought it would be great to bring the kids to the fair. And she brought it to the fair. And, and this fair had a roller coaster. That wasn't a full-blown Texas Giant roller coaster. But it, was, it literally was just a roller coaster that like, went around on a track and had like one like, small little hill. So, um, so she decided, I'm going to put Josh on this roller coaster by himself. Um, six or seven. And so the roller coaster goes... And uh, I wish I had the footage because my dad filmed it. And uh, you see it going around, and then you see it coming around. And when it comes around, all you see in the video is me going, ah! I'm screaming, screaming. Tears are flowing uh, down my face, and, I, and I'm yelling. And my mom's stopping the, the roller coaster to get me off of that. And from that point on, I never rode a roller coaster until I was a teenager. And then when I got a teenager, my dad was like, you're going to man up, and you're going to ride a roller coaster. <laughs> and not only are you going to ride a roller coaster, but you're going to ride the Ultra Twister. Now, if you've ever been to Astroworld, the Ultra Twister is, is the vomit machine. It is, <laughs> as soon as you go on it, it twists like crazy and twists back. And, uh, and so, like any, you know, manly young man, I cried like a woman. Um, <laughs> begged, dragged my feet, uh, all of that. Which I'm doing that with my boys now, which is kind of hilarious. Um, and, and I went on it. But this time the experience was a lot different. I was older, and I went on it, and I came off, I was smiling from ear to ear, and said, Let's do it again! And then ended up riding almost every ride that I could get on at Astroworld because I had a, a new sensation for roller coasters that I didn't have at an earlier age. Okay. So why am I talking about roller coasters and the Holy Spirit? There are some things that you have done before or heard before, or maybe experienced before, and it burns you. And so because of that, you don't want to get back on the ride. You don't have anything to do with it because it was a bad experience. And the truth is, I think there's some of you that are missing out on the third part of the Trinity, which is one of the most powerful parts of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, because of that. And so you have a preconceived misconception, and what it's doing is it's actually limiting you from what the life that God has for you to live. Amen. And so here's the call today. Let's get back on the ride. Okay? Let's get back on the ride. And I, and I pray that by the end of these four weeks that you'll be like me at the end of the ultra, quist, ultra twister. Oh, yes, it's awesome. And, uh, and loving, loving the Holy Spirit and uh, realizing that God has a life for you beyond the norm. You know that normal Christianity is not what God called us to do? You read throughout Scripture, there ain't nothing in the Bible that's normal. Everything's crazy. Everything. Okay? A man rising from the dead is not normal. It's not. It's not. Seeing people speaking in different tongues, that's not normal. Okay? Seeing people raised from the dead, seeing arms grow back, seeing people walk on water, that's not normal. Okay? So for all of you, they're like, I just want a normal Christianity. Don't read your Bible. Because it's not normal; it's very crazy, but it's a good crazy. And I believe that God wants us not to be crazy, but He wants us to, to live powerfully. and And so, I believe that this series is going to do that for you. And for those that walked in here today, and you feel just, man, just stuck; it's just like you're not, man, it's just stale. Um, I believe at the end of this message, that's going to change. That's my prayer. Okay, so. Uh let's, let's dive into a little bit of, of who the Holy Spirit is, and uh, we're going to read some scriptures. <clears throat> so who is the Holy Spirit? Uh, we know we worship one God. I'm going to tell you right now, we, we, we believe in the Trinity here. Um, we believe that the, there is one God in three distinct personalities. If you want me to explain the Trinity, I'm not. Um, I'm not even going to try. Uh, I think we'll get to heaven and probably hopefully even figure it out there. But uh, we, just from Scripture, when you come to Scripture, you see that there's, there's God in, in one God, but three different personalities, and it's a little mind-blowing, and it's a little confusing at times, but it's there. And there's three different personalities. There's the Father. and so here's the deal. We understand the Father part of God, because you have a Father. So you understand that real simply. Father, God? OK, I understand that. I have a dad. OK? There's a dad. I understand that. Jesus. We get Jesus, okay? We know about Jesus, came to earth, died on the cross, rose again. We, we, can, we can relate with Jesus. We see him in pictures. He's usually on the cross. We hang him around our neck on a necklace, okay? He's our homeboy. We know Jesus, okay? But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, that's weird. I don't know the Holy Spirit, okay? He's like the, he's like the awkward stepson of the family. Nobody knows. Nobody wants to really pay him attention He's he's kind of the outsider. We got the Father, we got the Son, but we really don't know what the Holy Spirit is about. But the Holy Spirit is just as much God as the Father and as as the Son. Okay, and so the Holy Spirit is the active agent of the whole Trinity. God the Father, it speaks. Jesus comes down. He lives it out, and the Holy Spirit empowers him to do the things that he does. And uh, many times, when we think about the Holy Spirit, there's a lot of things that come to our mind. If you're in a real, like, traditional church, we talk about the Holy Ghost, okay? So I think I'd rather just talk about the Holy Ghost, because it's, and I have to say it like that. Um, because if you got a different translation, don't say Holy Spirit. That's like the churched-up version, It's the Holy Ghost. And so I believe in the Holy Ghost, and I hope you believe in the Holy Ghost. And if not, you will, hopefully, by the end of this. Because when people think about the Holy Spirit, here's a couple things that people think of. They think of a force. They think the Holy Spirit's like a force, like Star Wars. May the force be with you. May the Holy Ghost be with you. You know, kind of like a, everybody's got to pull out their lightsabers. But the, the Holy Spirit is not a force. They think the Holy Spirit is like a mystical, new age type of thing. And we got to like conjure up the Holy Spirit. And we need to like light some candles and some incense and hum. Let's cross our cross our legs if we can. If you can't, then you can't get the Holy Spirit. That's how it is. Um, but that's not how it is either. There's no chanting for this Holy Spirit. Other people think the Holy Spirit is like a fog. Um, anybody seen Lost? <laughs> if you've seen Lost, there's a fog, and some people think the Holy Spirit's like that, like there's going to be a fog that comes into this place. And there is pictures and symbolisms of the Holy Spirit in clouds and fog before, um, but the Holy Spirit, those are characteristics. That's not the Holy Spirit. Um, also, people think the Holy Spirit is like a ghost walking around, much like Casper, like he enters in and walks around. Let me let's set the record straight today. And if you have your notes, you can fill this in. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. The Holy Spirit is not something, it's someone. It's someone. It is God. Third part of the Trinity. It's not an it. It's not a force. It's not a fog. It's not a, a mystery. It's not something we chant. It's not it's not something we we talk about as if it's an object. It's not an object. It's a person. The Holy Spirit is, is a person. It's not an it. It's a he. And you, you can see that all throughout the scripture. If you go in John chapter 14, Jesus actually tells the disciples, I'm going to leave you, but I'm gonna, don't, don't be worried because I'm actually going to give you something that's even greater. And he will be your comforter. Speaking of the Holy Spirit is a, is a he. Let's, let's look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 verse 9. It says this, it says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the what? What does it say? You get to interact with me today. You are controlled by the Spirit, and if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that, those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. Literally, the simplest definition of a Christian, here's the simplest definition of a Christian. In whom the Holy Spirit lives in. What's a Christian? in whom a person in whom the holy spirit lives in that is a, you cannot be a christian without having a relationship with the holy spirit do you understand that i'll show it to you in just a minute the holy spirit is actually the one that initiates your faith the fact that you believe in jesus is because of the holy spirit it's because of the holy spirit so the holy spirit is a he and god by the way god marks us the way he like brands us is with the holy spirit that one's mine And he seals us with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is his promise that he will not only be with us, but he lives in us. So over the next four weeks, we're going to actually look at four symbols that the Bible uses of the Holy Spirit. Today, we're talking about fire. In the scriptures, you're going to see the Bible talk about the Holy Spirit as a symbol of fire. Now here it is, the Holy Spirit is not fire, he's not an object, remember, he's a person. But there's characteristics of a fire that the Holy Spirit kind of emulates, and so that's why he uses the symbolism of fire. We'll talk about in the coming weeks about water, and about wind, and what that looks like, and what that looks like for us. But we're going to talk about fire today, and we're going to look at how the Holy Spirit is described by fire, well, let's look at some attributes of fire. If you are taking some notes, number one is this, fire ignites, fire ignites. Now, in the Old Testament, um, many of you know the man David. David was a warrior after God. He was a man after God's own heart. He was a warrior, and the Bible says that David had a yearning, had a great desire to build a house for the Lord. And so God told him, you're, you're going you're to build my house, uh, but you're actually not going to be the one who builds it. You're, I'm going I'm to give you resources. You're going to resource, and your son is going to be the one who builds this house. God had a desire to build this place. He wanted to build a place where God's spirit could dwell. He wanted to build him a temple. And so you go and you fast forward, you look in 2 Chronicles, and they build this temple. And they spare no expenses. I mean, the greatest of gold, the greatest of, of gems. Uh, they, they, this is the nicest church you've ever been in. And they build this place. And I want to catch up with this story because what ends up happening is they gather all of the people. They gather them all for this kind of grand opening of this temple. And they gather them all together. And Solomon, who builds it, which is David's son, he's the one who built it, stands up. And he's going he's to say something to the crowd. Let's, let's catch up with them in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, starting in verse 12. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the entire community of Israel, and he lifted his hands in prayer. Now Solomon had, become, had made a bronze platform seven and a half feet long, seven and a half feet wide, four and a half feet high, and he had placed it at the center of the temple's outer courts, and he stands on it. And then he kneels in front of the entire community of Israel, and he lifts up his hands towards heavens, and watch what he prays. He prays, O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in all of heaven and on earth. You keep your covenant, and you show unfailing love to all who walk before you in wholehearted devotion. You've kept your promise to your servant David, my father. You You made that promise with your own mouth and with your own hands. You have fulfilled it today. Meaning that God told David, you're going to have a house, we're going to build it, and I'm going to dwell in it. And so Solomon's going, you've done everything that you said you would do. And here we are today. Now skip over to verse 7, I mean chapter 7. And this is the end of his prayer. It says, when Solomon finishes praying, what happens? Fire flashes down from heaven. It burns up all of the offering and sacrifices. And watch, watch what happens. And the glorious presence of the Lord fills the temple. The priest could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. And when all the people of Israel saw the fire coming down and the glorious presence of the Lord filling the temple, what did they do? They fell on their face on the ground and they worshiped. And they praise the Lord saying, he is good and his faithful love endures forever. So the Old Testament, we have a temple. They pray. They, they, they dedicate this building to the Lord. God shows up in fire Comes, burns up offerings, his presence fills the temple. That's Old Testament. Okay, now let's fast forward to New Testament. Because New Testament, the story changes a little bit. Now it's not that God fills temples. Let's check in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Let's see where the Holy Spirit dwells now. Holy Spirit no longer dwells in temples in the New Testament because Jesus shows up on the scene and he changes. He's a game changer. First Corinthians 6, verse 19 says, Don't you realize that your, your body is the temple of what? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So Old Testament, we built a place. We built a temple. Holy Spirit dwelt in that. New Testament, Jesus shows up and seen, conquers death, conquers hell. And now when we put our faith in him, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. Who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to who? To yourself. Okay. Okay. So now the Holy Spirit no longer dwells in temples, it dwells in people. And specifically people who have given their lives to the Lord. John the Baptist also pointed this out, that uh, Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, initiates things. He ignites things in our lives. Uh, Let's look in Luke chapter 3, verse 16. John the Baptist, this is what he says. John answers them all and he says this, I baptize you with water. But he who is mightier than I, speaking of Jesus, he who is mightier than I is coming, and the strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie, he will baptize you. What is he going to baptize you with? Holy Spirit Spirit and fire. Some translations say Holy Spirit fire. So what John was saying is, listen, there's really two births that you have. I'm going to baptize you with water He's going to baptize you with fire. Jesus goes on and tells Nicodemus that, "Listen, you need two births. You're gonna, you're gonna, you, you need to have, you need to be born twice." And Nicodemus is like, "I can't figure this out. What are you talking about? Being born twice? How do I get up in my mom and all that? Is it crazy and all that?" And he's like, "No, no, no. Listen, you're, you're born of water and then you're born of spirit. Everyone in here is born of water. Okay? And You're like, like, oh, no, I was C-sectioned.' Okay, no, you were born of water. You were in, you were in a sack of water. It's called a placenta. Okay, it's water." I, That word is nasty, okay? You were in a placenta. It's actually nastier to see the placenta than it is to talk about it. Um, But you're born of water. Where are we going? Um, You're born of water. And the Bible says that that's your first birth, but that you also need a second birth. Placenta is not enough. You also need to be born of the Spirit, which is our faith, which is... What the Bible would also talk about as regeneration. That God takes your stony heart out and he gives you a new heart. He gives you a new heart, new desires, new mind. That, and, and, and what you read in this passage is that the Holy Spirit is the one who does that. That's Jesus saying. Jesus is coming and Jesus will baptize you with Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, let's see this actually take place. Acts chapter 2. I know we're reading a lot of scriptures, so if you haven't read your Bible this week, you read a lot today. (laughs) Acts chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1, and watch what happens. Remember, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and fire ignites. It ignites. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Okay, so let let me stop here and say this. All the what? Okay, so were these people, did they have a second birth already? Yes, they're believers. They already believe in God, okay? They're already saved. Just keep that there. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames. Of tongue or, or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present, what does it say? Filled with the Holy Spirit. And began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Did you notice something in the three passages that we read? We read the passage about the temple. read the passage about John the Baptist speaking of Jesus. And then we read the passage of Acts chapter 2. Did you notice a common thread? Fire. Yes. But did you also notice a different common thread? The Holy Spirit is the one that ignited the presence of him in the temple. He ignited our faith, and he ignited the beginning of the church. He started all those. You know that? And how did he start all of those? Starting the temple, starting our faith, and starting the New Testament church. How did he start them all? With the filling of the Holy Spirit. Start them all with it. That's why, if you go and you read this Acts chapter 2 before that, Jesus tells them, Hey, guys, you need to go wait because I'm bringing you something that you're going to need. Notice that Jesus didn't even start his ministry until he's baptized. And when he's baptized and came out of the water, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit descended upon him. And then he started his ministry. So here's my question If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit and he told his disciples he needed the Holy Spirit, why do we think that we don't? Amen. They all needed it to do the things that they did. And the challenge for you today is to realize that you need him just as much. Now, here's the deal. You can do life without him, but it's just the normal. But God's called us beyond that. He's called us to live with fire. Fire. So we need to realize that the fire of God ignites our faith. It ignites what God wants to do in us. And uh, let me say this in regards to Pentecost, okay? Um, Because a lot of people are, you know, praying for Pentecost, uh, like, I just want to see Pentecost. Here's the truth. You don't need to wait on Pentecost because Pentecost is waiting on you. Amen. Right. Do you understand that Pentecost has already happened and that the, the promise that you could have the Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit power is not something that you got to, like, beg God for and like, have to always, you, you understand, like, we're not waiting for him to, like, show up. God's waiting for us to get ready, to be ready and to be a place to receive that. Because that's what, we'll, we'll we'll get to that in just a minute. Number two. So number one is fire ignites, it ignites, it it, it ignites. Number two, fire consumes. It consumes. Deuteronomy chapter four, Moses is speaking to the children of Israel. Moses was just told by God, you're not going in the promised land. Bummer. (laughs) I led a million people out here to find out that I can't get to the thing that you said I was going to. That's, that's, uh, that's bad day. Okay. Bad day. And, um, so now he's going to turn, knowing that he can't get in, he's going to turn to the children of Israel, and he's going to tell them something. And he's going to talk to them specifically about the idols that they like to play with. Because if you know anything about the children of Israel, they always like to play with idols. I mean, he goes up to the mountain, spends time with God on a fiery mountain, comes down with Ten Commandments, and the guys are worshiping a golden calf. He's like, what the heck? I left for like just a short period of time, and you're already worshiping another idol. And so Moses is going to speak directly to that. If you want to go into the promised land, here's the thing that you got to realize about God. And this is what he says. Look what he says, Deuteronomy verse, verse four, verse, uh, chapter 4 verse 24. For the Lord your God, he's a what? What does it say? Come on, say it out to the loud. He is a, he's a consuming fire. He's a jealous God. See, here's the thing about a fire. A fire doesn't stay in one place. It consumes everything. Any of y'all seen a house burn? Does it stay in the living room? No. No, not at all. Not if you don't get to it quick enough. It goes to the living room, jumps to the next room, jumps to the dining room, jumps to the garage, and eventually the whole, whole place is consumed on fire. And have you all been noticing that we've actually had these just crazy wildfires across our nation? Colorado and California and New Mexico and Arizona. And they say this. They say, that, uh, I was reading a, a story that said that the, that the reason why there's so many wildfires going on is because actually there's not enough fires. Because the thing about fires is er when a fire starts, everybody wants to put it out, but they don't realize that, that, that there are some fires that are good fires. Um, I'll get to that in a minute and, and tell you why, that, why that's the case. But when you see a fire take over force, it just starts consuming everything. It spreads fast. And here's the thing about the fire of God. When, when God initiates our faith, when he starts our faith and he kickstarts that thing, and you're on fire for the Lord, and then you're like, man, I, 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 this is awesome, this is good. And then all of a sudden, God starts dealing with things in our hearts, Right? He starts going, he goes, I want to burn this pride out, and I want to burn this insecurity out, and I want to burn this anger out, and I want to burn, and so the fire of God literally comes in and starts consuming every part of you. And you're like, No, I wanted you to stay over here. And then he's, he's just coming. Because the fire of God, the Holy Spirit of God, really desires, his greatest desires for you to look more like Jesus. And so he consumes everything. He is a consuming fire. He is a jealous. God. How many of you have ever heard uh, the, f- the phrase, that man is on fire? Y'all heard that before? You know, relating to sports or something, a guy is just like draining it constantly. He's just hitting it all the time. He's just he's just in the zone. Or somebody who's just really preaching really good, like, oh man, he's on fire. What that usually means is that guy is full of passion. He's full of zeal. Man, he's he is just in his zone. Do you know that God's desires for you to be a man or a woman on fire, that you would be on fire. That when you go into your workplace, people are like, I don't know what it is about you, but there's something that's consumed you that has changed you completely. What you used to be like and what you are now is totally different. And hopefully, every Sunday when you're coming, I pray that the Holy Spirit is doing something in you. And every week you're going back to your work, there's something different about you that's changing. There's something different about you. God used to be the rudest person ever. But now, you're a little rude and not as much. <laughs> he slowly works. It's not completely. But there's a change that's happening when God is consuming fire. is He wants to consume your relationships. He wants to consume your, your work ethic. He wants to consume your character. He wants to consume every part of us and We need a people who are set on fire by the Holy Spirit. Number three, let's go here. We'll talk about the wildfire. Number three, the fire tests and it purifies. It tests and it purifies. 1 Peter 1, verse 7, it says this, These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. (laughs) Just underline that line right there. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. Why am I going through this? These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It's been a heck of a week. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. And you go through something you're like, I almost lost my salvation. Any of y'all have done that before? Got some crazy kids? I almost lost my salvation. <laughs> Come back to 1 Peter. These trials, you could fill it in. These kids will show that your faith is genuine. <laughs> This boss will show that your faith is genuine. This why okay, we're not going there. All right. <laughs> it's wrong. All right. All right, so it says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being, what is it, what is it doing? It's being, it's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith, what is it? It's far more precious than gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to you, to the whole world. What is is God after? What is is his most important thing that he wants in you? Is a refined, strong faith. What is the enemy after more than anything? Your faith. He's after your faith. He wants you to become faithless. He wants you to doubt God. That's what he wants you to do. And so trials come your way. And the first thing you do is you start, what do you do? You start doubting God. Your faith gets kinked. And, And what God, through the Holy Spirit, is trying to do to light you on fire for him, the Holy Spirit is trying to do to burn you, to destroy you. God's consuming fire is to light you on fire so you can be for his glory. The devil tries to come with fire to literally destroy you. How many of you have ever felt burned before? And it didn't feel like it was a God burn. It felt like it was an enemy burn. Just charred all over. But this says that the trials that we walk through, that the Holy Spirit uses it as tests. It tests our faith. You know, the Holy Spirit is very, very um, personal to Lindsay and I in the season that we're walking through now. I've never been tested more in my faith than in the past year and a half. Ever. I mean, before that, I had, man, to be honest, with my faith really was rarely tested. So God has a way of putting us to the test to see that if what we say and declare on Sunday morning in that worship song is gonna be something we live out on Monday morning with our boss to see if that, if what we are declaring to our, to the people on our row, that God is good, that you get to go home and try to live that out, okay? And so there's just tests, and some of you right now, you are, you're in a test, and it may be financially, it may be occupationally, it may be relationally, maybe your marriage is just in a place, it's just, man, it just feels like there's friction and fire, and but in that in that testing God is forging something even stronger. You know, Lindsay and I say this now, our marriage is better on the other side now of what we've walked through because the Holy Spirit is just refining things. It's pulling things out. See, because it's not only testing you, it's purifying you at the same time. See, because the fire is not just a test, it's a purifier. So it's not just a test that, that, it's, that it's genuine. It's also to purify it to make it even better. Fire, you put it under gold. That's, that's how you get gold to be even more brighter and better. You put it under the fire. You let it burn. You let all the dross come to the top, and you scrape the top off. And they say, well, how do you know that the, that the gold is pure? When you see the reflection. It's the same way that God is. God wants to see Jesus in us. So he lets us go through some hard stuff to test our faith, but also to purify our faith. You, you love money? Guess what? Here comes a trial. And guess what it's going to test? Money. It's going to test money. You, 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 you have an anger issue. It just Why is it that I have to be at a job where this guy always makes me angry? Maybe because God is trying to purify that area of your heart. So he puts spiritual sandpaper around you that just rubs you constantly. Anybody have? Okay, don't don't blame. Me. Your boss may be here or something. Um, but it purifies. I mean, we we live in a day where sin is engulfing people like crazy. Do y'all know there's a growing hostility, not only towards church and Christians, there's a growing even hostility towards Jesus. You're cool if you do everything. Just don't say Jesus. Don't say Jesus. Family units are crumbling, people. Are, As what scripture would say, people are calling evil good and good evil. Um, Do do you know that more people are dying by their own hands than they are by car crashes? Do you know that more soldiers are dying by their own hands than by war? Do you know that? Why is that? Because the enemy is trying to burn people up. And the way he gets us. It's through sin. It's through sin. People are turning drugs to feel more alive. They're turning to alcohol to drown the feelings that they do feel. Like I said, in, in, there was uh, a great, the great fires <coughs> in 1988 of Yellowstone. It burned 1.4 million acres of forestry at Yellowstone. And they thought it was going to just destroy Yellowstone to find out, one year later, Yellowstone was actually more vibrant than ever before. You know why? Because when the fire came through, it burned up all of just the trash that was in the forest. It also burned up good trees too, but what it did is it also let some of the sprouts of the seeds of these cones and stuff just blossom. And so it literally seeded the entire forest 1.4 million acres. It seeded them. And the next year when he came back, they had sprouts of new trees growing everywhere. Can I tell you, the Holy Spirit is very much like that. He comes through and it seems like he's like mowing over everything, destroying everything. But you look a month, a year later, and you're like, man, I'm not where I was. Thank God for his Holy Spirit that he came and he burned that area of my heart up. We want to burn for Jesus, but we want to burn for Jesus for holiness. Not that we would, not that that Jesus comes and burns sin, that he burns our passion to even just want to stop sinning. Right. Amen. The Holy Spirit purifies us from all impurities. Y'all know the, shat, the, the, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You want to talk about a test by fire. That was like literal fire. Literally, it was fire. Read with me, Daniel three twenty six. So they throw the guys in, they, they heated it up so hot that the people who actually threw them in died. The soldiers who threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace, they died from the fire. They throw, they throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire. And let's catch up with the story. Verse 26, Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace, and he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. And the satraps, the, pri- uh, anyways, we'll skip those. Um, the governors, <laughs> I know that word, um, the king's counselors, gathered together and saw that the fire, watch this, the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The he- even the hairs of their heads was not singed. Their clothes were not harmed. And no smell of fire had even come upon them. You might want to write this down. People set on fire can walk through fire. People set on fire can walk through fire. The reason why we have a hard time walking through fire is because we're not on fire. And so it burns us up. But people set on fire can walk through fire. People that (coughs) are so filled with the Holy Spirit that nothing can destroy them. I love the, the story of 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 Acts when when Saul is out there murdering people. Murdering people and people are still giving their lives to the Lord. I mean nowadays we say like hey come come to Jesus he'll forgive you of for your sins you'll go to heaven it's gonna be great. In those days they're like come to Jesus you might get killed tomorrow. <laughs> what about that altar call? <laughs> Come to Jesus, you could have your head chopped off. I and mean, ours is maybe watered down a little bit now. And You see the book of Acts, every time the enemy was going in and trying to burn people, literally burning people at the stakes, or stoning people, or putting them in front of lions and killing them and mauling them, every time that happened, the church grew faster and stronger. It just grew faster and stronger because a people set on fire can walk through fire. So the enemy can try to burn you up, but you're on fire. So he can't touch you because you're already on fire. If it's on fire, it can't be on fire again. It's already on fire once. It can't be on fire twice. So my challenge to you is if you're walking through something is ask the Holy Spirit, God, I need fresh fire to walk through this. I need you. Fire tests and it purifies. And let's wrap this up. Number four, fire must be fueled Fire must be fueled. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. This is Paul encouraging his son in the Lord, Timothy. And this is what he says. He says, Timothy, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you. You might want to underline that. It's in you. The gift of God, it's in you. Through the laying on of my hands, for this reason I remind you to fan and to flame the gift of God that is in you. We talk about this all the time, and if, if you haven't heard it recently, let me just continue to bang this drum that serving Jesus is not about fireworks, it's a bonfire. Some of you are so consumed with wanting to see fireworks that you go from one fireworks display to the next fireworks display to the next fireworks display. You just want to see boom, bow, bow, spectacular, doom, da. And then, and then when it's not there, you're like, oh, where's God, where's God? And then you got to run to somewhere and go boom, bow, bow, I see it. But you, the truth is, is that following Jesus is more about a bonfire. It's more about throwing kindling on the fire every day. Every hour we're continually throwing wood on the fire of God. It needs to continually be fueled, and you are part of the fueling agent of that. Most of us want God to do everything, and we get to do nothing. And God says in this part of the Scripture that you have a part, you have a responsibility to fan the flames. I was barbecuing this weekend, and uh, my charcoals were wet. Didn't know it, but they were a little wet. So I lit them, and they all kind of lit, and they were going. And I, I went, and I was going to come back and get ready to barbecue. And I came back, and they were, they were gone. So I put lighter fluid back on it and lit it and got a, got a fireworks display. Uh, and, it, and it started, did it again. Uh, but these just had a hard time catching fire. So you know what I had to do? I literally had to stand there and just keep spraying lighter fluid on it. About every minute, minute and a half, I'd spray some lighter fluid on it. And and you go. And you kind of do it. Let's spray some more lighter fluid. Here we go. And, and I realize some of the reason why we are stale, the fire has gone out, is because we haven't been putting anything on the fire. We haven't been fueling it in any way. We haven't been fanning it in any way. We've been expecting God to do everything and don't realize that we have a part in this. You have a part. Let me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you the part that you have. Look at, look at Acts chapter 4. I'm going to show you how this happens. We're going to get really practical here of kind of how this, how this works. Acts chapter 4, verse 31, it says this. After this, what does it say? Prayer. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God Boldness. If you back up and you go, look, these are people who are literally being imprisoned and killed. They go into, okay, so here's the deal. These disciples go into their room, into their house. They gather together. And our prayer would be, God, stop them killing us. God, stop this. My child has died. My husband's died. I don't want to die. What do they pray? They pray, God, make us bolder. They don't pray anything about the problem. They pray for themselves, that they would be bolder. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit floods the room, fills them with the Holy Spirit, and they go and they preach even longer and louder. They preach even bolder than they were before. God, I would pray that we would stop praying that the problems go away and that we would be changed. Stop praying that we would get back to a place of comfortness, but that we would continually be in a place where we're uncomfortable That we have to rely on the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is a comforter? And do you understand that you don't need a comforter when you're comfortable? That was like the lights went on for some of you. You don't need a comforter when you're comfortable. And if you're living comfortably, you don't need the Holy Spirit. The only people who need the Holy Spirit are people who are living out of their comfort zone. Because you need a comforter. So here's, the, here's, my, here's my prayer for you. And you may like, don't pray this on me, but I'm praying it anyways. I pray you would be uncomfortable as a Christian. I pray you would be discontent with where you are. I love Paul. Paul would always say, I have not arrived. The man had a shadow hill, somebody. I think he's arrived. And he was constantly saying, I'm still pressing forward. I'm still pressing on. I'm still wanting more. I mean, Paul is like at the pinnacle of what you would think a Christian is. Can, it, he, he was stoned and got up, like dead. And they were like, he's dead. They walk out, and he like takes the stones off him, gets up, and walks back into the city. That's a bad man. That's a bad man. But why could he do that? He was on fire. He was on fire. God, I pray that we'd be a people that are not content with just showing up at church for one or two days or one or two Sundays out of the month and maybe serve once or twice and throw some money in the bucket and are content with that. There's nothing in the scripture that talks about that's the Christian life we're called to live. It was always about being on fire for the Lord. It's always about laying down our lives for the kingdom. And you can't do that unless you're on fire for the Lord. And you see that with this, this group of people, they pray, the meeting place shakes, they're all filled with fire, and then they preach the word of God with boldness. The devil tries to burn them, but they're already on fire. But I want you to notice this real quick. Notice that the fire of God was always preceded by unity and prayer. Y'all remember the tabernacle? What happened before the tabernacle, the fire came down? What were they doing? Praying. As 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 a nation, let's pray. Let's pray. What happened in, the, in, in Acts chapter 4 right here? What are they doing? They're praying. The Holy Spirit falls down. I'll be honest with you. I, I get convicted oftentimes about my prayer life. I don't know about you, but I know I don't pray enough. And if you do enough diagnostic on your life, you can probably relate how much power you have to how much prayer you're praying. No prayer, no power. And, I, and I, can, I can always see it in my life. Man, when the flesh is rising up in my marriage, in my life, I'm usually not, I'm really not spending the time with the Lord and asking Him to really fill me. I'm just trying to put out fires instead of trying to be on fire. Let me read this last scripture. We're going to close it up. Uh, Where's your team? Y'all can come up. Luke chapter 24. Let's, let's read this last scripture. So Jesus has ascended into heaven. Um, well, after, after Jesus rose again from the, from the dead, there was a duration of time where he, he met people. He went and saw people before he ascended into heaven. And there's an experience in Luke chapter 24 about these two men that are, that are walking from one city to the next. It's called the road, to, road of Emmaus. And these two men are walking down the road, and Jesus shows up to them. And they actually don't even realize that it's Jesus. And uh, they invite Jesus to go and eat at their house. And Jesus goes and he eats at their house. And he breaks bread. And at, when he breaks the bread, the Bible says when he breaks the bread, they realize it's Jesus. And when they realize it's Jesus, he disappears. Come on, that's a, that's a freaky house guest right there. And where'd they go? <laughs> He's breaking bread. And as soon as they re- they, their eyes are open to that it's Jesus, he leaves. And on the road... To the house, he was talking to them. And you know what he was talking to them about? Himself. He was going all throughout the Old Testament about how it pointed to Jesus, and he was talking about himself. And I want, you, I want to read. We're going to catch up to this verse, this verse in verse 32. This is what they say. After he disappears, they realize, man, that was Jesus. That was Jesus. Look what it says. And they said to each other, did not our hearts, what is it? Burn. Burn did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opened to us, what? Scriptures. Last and final note. If you want to kindle your fire for the Lord, not only do you need to pray, not only do you need to get in community, not only do you need to be around people who can sharpen you, but you need to get in the Word. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to change us into the people of God. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to change us into the people of God. You want to become more like Jesus? Get in the Word. Get in the Word. Get in prayer. Get before Him. And let's ask. Let's ask for His Holy Spirit to come, flood this place, flood our lives. May we be a people on fire. So that way we can walk through fire. Because whether you know it or not, fire is coming. And I pray that you're on fire enough that it doesn't burn you. But yet you're burning so passionately for the Lord that he's refined you. Jesus, that's our prayer today. I want to do this today. If, um, if we're not going to bow, bow heads or close eyes. Not do that. Um, I just want to do this. If if you've been walking through a season in your walk with the Lord, um, well, let's let's start here. If you've never experienced the Holy Spirit, the truth is probably you've never experienced the Holy Spirit first because the Holy Spirit has to ignite faith, and that comes when we acknowledge that He is Lord of our lives and when when we make that acknowledgement, even the Holy Spirit's doing something in us to make that acknowledgement. When we make that acknowledgement, the Bible says that God comes in, gives us a new heart, and that's regeneration, that's a new birth. And there's some of you that never experienced the Holy Spirit, because first off, you've never had the second birth. You've been born of water, but you've never been born of the Spirit. You've never had God come in and rule and reign in your heart. And so I want to do this first and foremost. If that's you, and you say, I, I, man, I, I don't know. I've never been born again. I, I don't know what that is. Um, If that's you, will you stand right now all over this place? Any of you? Anybody? Okay. All right, I got to offer that one first. Okay, the second one I want to say is if you have been stalemated in your faith, the reason we call this message fresh fire is because if you're not kindling it, it can burn out or it can just become stale. Maybe you've been battling depression or you've been battling some stuff and you just, man, I just... Power and fire would not mark my life. And uh, I need it, and I want it. If that's you, will you stand? Will you stand? Okay. Praise God. Jesus, 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 Jesus. If you're standing with your wife, will you grab her hand? And if you're around somebody uh, that's standing as a church, we want to pray together for these people um, and for, for us, that God would give us a fresh fire. So would you just kind of stretch your hand if you're kind of near somebody? All that is is we're just agreeing that that God's gonna do what he says he's gonna do. So Father, let's pray together. Father, Lord, we we pray right now, God. God, I pray for every person who stood today. God, I thank you, Lord, that you wanna show yourself new and fresh to them. God, we pray, Lord, right now, Holy Spirit, would you meet them right where they are, right where they are. Fire of God, would you come and would you breathe fresh, breathe fresh on them. God, we pray that you would stir up the gifts of God that's inside of them. God, as they they ask, as they pray, as they read the word this week, God, I pray, fresh in newness, God, new relationship, new fire for you, new passion for you. God, I pray that these would be people that would be marked as people on fire for the Lord, passionate about you. Lord, passionate about being a woman and a man of God that's pursuing you in their family and in their marriage, in their workplace. God, I thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, that you just, you say, just ask. You just ask. You want to give it to us freely. So Holy Spirit, would you come new and fresh again?